0: Here it is again. One, two, three, four! I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. And Devo plays for Muffy's Party. We bring you an act who at first may shock you The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Let's go!
1: Hey, everybody, I'm Rob. And I'm Joseph. And welcome to another bonus episode of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave, 1976 to 1986.
2: Season four is coming. It's coming (laughs) next month, and we're very excited about it, Um, and we're going to talk about it, Uh, but we are also going to feature yet more... Albums from the 1970s that we missed the first time. We're, we're sneaking in the last batch here uh, while we got a chance. Yeah. And we'll get into what what we're going to cover uh, in a couple of minutes. But first of all, let's kick things off with a um, a song from one of the bands called Chrome. This is off their debut album. A song called... How many years too soon?
1: I am happy to be here. By the way, Joseph, I just want to say I'm happy to be here doing a bonus episode. Um, I feel like we have been away a little too long, um, so it's good to be back. I mean, I'm it's it's been a long break.
2: <laughs> I think we're both feeling a little rusty.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we are. Yeah, but um, it's been a great summer, and you know, it's time we move on. So I'm really looking forward to the next season. 1980 is going to be pretty awesome, man.
2: Yes. Well, let's talk about that. So season four begins next month, kind of the second half of next month. We'll do our hooray for 1980s episode, yeah, absolutely. Um, just like we did for the beginning of last season. That that seemed to work pretty well. And then, of course, the following month will jump into January of of 1980. So, Rob, my question for you is, what are you doing for the next seventeen months? You know, that's how long it's going to take to cover nineteen eighty.
1: Be so massive, yeah! <laughs> Holy crap, it's huge.
2: <laughs> it's taken us a long time to get to this point, and uh, for uh, just a a ton of different reasons, uh-huh. and most of the reasons w- were because we had to do things that we never actually did. All those plans that we had just kind of like real life got in the way. And we finally decided, Hey, we gotta, we gotta just start up and get going. Got to do it. So that Velvet Underground episode didn't happen. It will happen at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, And the story behind that was we were just, we were having a hard time lining up the right guests. Typically, in a situation like that, you and I would just, just you know, do it ourselves. But because it's the Velvet Underground and there are so many rabid fans, it just didn't feel right for an episode where one half of the... the Conversation would be coming from me who just <laughs> doesn't get the appeal <laughs> of the Velvet Underground. So it's definitely going to happen that in the craft work I, yeah. uh, will, will eventually happen at some point. We just got to, we're, we're waiting for the stars to line up on those. And two. when they
1: happen, those are going to be some really special episodes. You, yeah. can, you can bet on it. They're going to be done and they're going to be done right.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah. 35% more albums for 1980 then uh 1979 so i get (laughs) and one of the reasons why we kept like putting off starting the season was it's like you go okay i want to start like a 17-month cycle Mm -hmm. that's (laughs) It's hard to get to that place, but finally. Well, and it
1: feels daunting when you think about it. So we just decided we're just going to jump in and stop thinking about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's always best when we stop thinking, right? Yep. (laughs) So what are we doing this episode, Rob?
1: Well, we're going to be covering some more notable albums that we missed from the 70s. And I got to say that listening to this little bit of music, I'm a little surprised we missed A couple of these, Mm. a couple of these, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. We are going to be covering six albums from three bands, and all three bands were ones that were not on either of our radar Mm -hmm. and were brought... Okay, I need to step back. You know, Rob, you know how we always encourage our listeners to, to reach out to us and just, you know... Tell us their stories about growing up and listening to this music and everything. Absolutely, uh, which which we love to hear. I know some of those people may may not know it because we're really bad at responding to emails, but (laughs) we love reading them.
1: (laughs) Um, We're working. We're we're working on getting better at that. By the way,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And so a couple of months ago, we started hearing from a new listener named. Christian who has his um uh slowly been going through catching up it sounds like he's just about caught up and he has been um it's been a lot of fun because he he would just shoot us an email like once or twice once or twice per season and just kind of give us some of his thoughts and he would get to the end of a season and he'd give us his his favorite albums list um and so this uh, all three bands that we're covering were ones that he brought up sweet and actually there there was a fourth one the only one that he mentioned that I that I was already aware of and I just I'm kicking myself that it didn't get included was UK subs are you, oh, yeah. are you familiar with UK subs yeah. Rob yeah yeah, yeah. so I wasn't. I was only familiar with one song, "Stranglehold." Uh, mm. That was a song that was off of that cherished, often referenced uh, English punk compilation I had when I was a teenager, called um, "Burning Ambitious" from from Burning Ambitions from uh, Cherry Ray Records, and it was a song called "Stranglehold." And when I saw Christian's email about UK subs, I just went, oh man, how did we miss that? Yeah. We are not including <laughs> that album here because we will be doing a deep dive on the UK subs at some point. Mm-hmm. And we will we'll get a chance to cover their debut album, which, which I believe was released in 1979. So moving forward, actually all of the bands that we're covering uh tonight and the uk subs we we will we will certainly look at their albums um as they come out let's see there's something else that i wanted to say oh so he's uh he it sounds like he grew up not that far from you rob some, oh, really? somewhere in central valley He, we just got an email from him um, about a week ago. He just finished the last season, so Mm -hmm. he just he sent us his top ten. His number one was the Gang of Four album.
1: Nice,
2: excellent. Um, He like you. He's a uh, big Gary Newman fan, so Gary Newman was his second. His number two, and then the Two Way Army album was on there as well. Um, Even though he's a he's a california boy um nine of his 10 albums uh were from british british groups Uh, b-52s was the only non-english album on it Uh, on there oh and i got a chuckle out of this his uh number four for 1978 was um 999's uh, album Separates. You remember Separates, the one <laughs> oh, yeah, that freaked yeah. us out so much? That's so, right. <laughs> so that cool. Now, Rob, this has been, this has been a very, very busy, crazy summer for you. Yeah. And, um, and you know, we missed last month. We went back on a word again and did not release an episode last month. We are barely getting this one under the wire. I'm going to have to release this not on a Sunday, uh, to get it out this month. And I had to kind of bully you into to doing this episode because you're so busy. Yeah. And so um, we should just let everybody know that the albums that we're talking about... You have not heard. I just kind of put together a playlist Mm -hmm. and you've, you've only listened to the songs a couple of times. Right. Um, So, so I, I took the burden of, of all the preparation and then uh, we're just going to have a conversation. But I think it's important. Everybody know that Rob has not actually had a chance to listen to these albums.
1: Yeah. It's a little bit awkward because I feel like I'm going in naked, Um, you know, and, but, I, you know, I, I, I like to do some research. I like to really get yeah, into the, the yeah. albums and I like to, you know, which this is not going to happen. I mean, I'm, I'm on a pretty tight schedule as far as, you know, work and deadlines for writing and all kinds of other stuff. So, yeah. but, but I still wanted to be here. <laughs> you know, no, We're doing so, it. <laughs> yeah. So we'll make it work.
2: One last thing before we, we jump in and start talking about Chrome Um, kind of related to what we were just talking about is um, uh, quite a few of our listeners just like Christian have been um, sending us suggestions for bands to include Uh, when we started the podcast we we posted a list of all of the bands that we we plan on covering Mm -hmm. and we've been adding to that list as as suggestions come in. So we are going to post the updated list. So on Facebook, Rob, let's make note to make sure that that post goes up by the time this drops. Okay. Uh, You can go to Facebook and um, see the new updated list of all of the artists that we plan on covering um, moving forward. And, of course, if you have any, if, if you see any oversights, any punk, post-punk new wave artists you think is a, it would be a mistake to, to miss, uh, let us know for sure. Yeah. Okay, anything else before we start talking um, about, oh, so the, the three bands that we're going to cover tonight are Chrome, The Shirts, and The Yachts.
1: Um, before we do move on, can I, can I do a shout out?
2: You, yeah, absolutely. okay.
1: So uh, during the summer, um, one of our good listeners, doug, Doug W, who he often suggests music, uh, mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. popped by the bookstore where I work in Mendocino.: Yeah, and uh, he and his girlfriend came in and, and chatted with me for a while, and we you know got him some some punk rock books and um, and it was cool to see him. And uh, by the way, he hadn't heard the episode that dropped right before he came in. But it was, it was where you and I were talking and you said that I looked like Dr. Demento. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> because you've seen me in a top hat a cape and I, I have long curly hair. <laughs> Actually, now I'm, I'm bald. I shaved my head. But, but what's funny is, is that when Doug and his girlfriend came in, he told me that on the way to to the shop she said well what do you think rob's gonna look like he goes i don't know i have no idea so afterwards while they were leaving he said uh she goes well what he goes you know he looks like somebody and then uh and then couldn't quite think of it well he listened to the episode that we just dropped and he came back to tell me it's dr demento yeah
2: so (laughs) So. independent um (laughs) confirmation that uh (laughs) you know and it's it's really the 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 beard, you know?
1: Exactly, the, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, beard and the glasses, and especially when you're walking around with a top hat and a cape.
1: So I haven't, I haven't worn a cape in forever, but you have seen me wear one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do wear the top hat. And when okay. Doug had come in with his girlfriend, I had long curly hair and, mm. and a big bushy beard. So I, I just thought that was hysterical.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Doug, a, um, a big fan of the humans.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: which, um, you know, I had, I think at one point I, I mentioned that their debut album was in, uh, released in 1980. That is incorrect. It was actually released in 1981. So we're going to have gotcha. to wait a while before yeah. we actually get that. But we did hear that one, like classic punk ditty. Um, I live in the city.
1: Yes.
2: From, from them.
1: A note, too, before we move on real quick, is that Mm -hmm. I, at that point, discovered that Doug lives in my hometown in Modesto, California,
2: Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: which I thought was kind of creepy. Did (laughs) you
2: express your condolences to him? Yes. Oh, yes, I did. (laughs) Excellent. Okay. Let's talk about Chrome. Chrome was a San Francisco band. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of them um until Christian uh, uh, sent his email. I think you mentioned that you had it rung a bell for you, right? Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. um yeah, I, I'd heard of them, and I think it's because uh, you said they started in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a friend who worked in the music industry during that time. Mm. And she has passed on music for me and we have talked music like crazy. So it may have been that it was mentioned, you know, in conversation, um, and and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, Chrome does, does ring a bell for me.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, um, I have only heard the first three Chrome albums, um, Mm -hmm. Because that that puts us up to nineteen uh, to the end of nineteen seventy nine. They do release an album in nineteen eighty. So we'll uh, get to that this season. Don't love them, but I will say this: if I if if we could go back into time to like right before we launched the podcast, mm-hmm. and I could only at knowing what I know now. I can only add two bands to the list. Uh, It would have been Kraftwerk and it would have been Chrome.
0: Nice.
2: Uh, Because I feel like all of the conversations that we've had um, over the last several seasons talking about albums that are sort of in the uh, industrial vein, uh-huh. Cabaret Voltaire is, is actually the, the big one. Um, but I think there's a right. lot of like uh, this heat and really any of those those sort of albums, I think I would have referenced Chrome a lot in my conversations when, when we were discussing those albums. Um, so they are um, they're one of the, the precursors to uh, the industrial, Uh, movement if if you if you take the industrial rock the term industrial rock um you know throbbing gristles was started out much more like the industrial part of it and chrome feels like they started out at like the rock part of it and then as they progress i think they get like closer and closer together um so at the top of the show, we listened to a um, a song off of their 1976 release that was um, an album called The Visitation. The song was "How Many Years Too
1: Soon." Tell me what you thought of this this song. I gotta say that I have a lot of. I have some mixed feelings about this song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You and me both. (laughs) I have, I have mixed feelings. So I, I get, there's this like, what feels kind of like a DIY industrial art sound, you know, they're, um, they're, it's chaotic. And then as soon as I start to think it's chaotic, I start to go, wait, this is all intentional and they're pretty tight in what they're doing. I mean, this is what they want to do. It's a lot of noise. It's a lot of, uh, you know this discordant sounds and then they break into like a cre- a rendition of i don't know something by cream or yeah. you know it sounds it sounds like yeah <laughs> it's, it sounds like classic cream playing and i'm like whoa what is happening
2: yeah well to to be clear because you you haven't heard um, this full album this is not this is their pre-industrial influential album Um, Uh so it's really their second and third albums that go in that direction this is a much more like traditional sort of like acid rock jam bandy kind of an album yeah not my kind of music at all however if i'm going to listen to that kind of music this is exactly the way that i want it i kind of i kind of um enjoy this this particular song Just amuses me because, um, so there, this album in particular is, um, highly influenced by, um, Iggy Pop and the Stooges. Oh, yeah, I I I think you can hear that. This song, so I hear like a combination of, uh, the Stooges, um, David Bowie, like. When he was in his "The Man Who Sold the World" right, um, right. Uh, phase, uh, it reminds me of the Beastie Boys what? <laughs> in a weird way, like with the <laughs> vocals and stuff. Uh-huh. Okay. I think it's kind of cool. And then just like a huge dose of like King Crimson or something, uh-huh. which is which is a weird combination of of things. But um, but I I find this whole album um okay i mean pretty likable for a type of music that doesn't really resonate with me personally Mm -hmm. that much so let's go ahead and listen to a second song off of this album this is the song called memory chords over the bay
1: I like I think I like this song a lot better. Mm. Um you know it of course when when the track starts out it's it's still chaotic but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um they kind of clean it up they break into what what feels to me to be like a traditional rock song. Um there's I don't know I just get the feeling that they like what they're doing and they enjoy themselves. Um and the sound is cool. I dig it. Mm-hmm. I dig it. I like the guitar a lot.
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i i would say just what i've heard of of chrome of the first three albums um uh, quite often the least favorite part of the music is the the sound that they get on the lead guitars Uh, it's just got that that, yeah that's just a sound that yeah i don't i don't care for at all
1: yeah Um, i i I actually like that here i mean mm -hmm. for some reason i like i like that it it, Mm -hmm. to me it it fit, but, but yeah, it's not a lot of people dig it.
2: (laughs) So they do. And I, I, I don't think it's as prominent on this album as the next two albums, but they do some really interesting things with synthesizers. And by interesting, I don't mean interesting. Like it's really noticeable or like wild or anything, but the way that they integrate synthesizers into the music, um, they're not flashy about it, but it mm-hmm. really kind of enhances the music. Um I think is you know, they were kind of breaking some ground for
1: that's, that's interesting.
2: For for this, this kind of music. Now this album was the only album that lead singer Mike Lowe was on so um before they began recording the next album Mike Lowe left and from what i've heard he he was really the only member of the band um that you would call like a singer like ah. had a good voice yeah. you know there there are some vocals on the next two albums but they really sound like, oh, the guitarist is is doing some vocals because somebody has to or, or whatever. Yeah. And um, so he he leaves the band. And then um, so then it becomes uh, Damien Edge and Helios Creed. So Hel- Helios Creed uh, joins and... They, they really changed their, their sound. So let's, let's hop on over to 1977. We'll talk about the second album called Alien Soundtrack. So the first album just didn't get any traction. Uh-huh. No, no traction really whatsoever. This album um, actually got them a fair amount of attention in Europe particularly in England and in Germany. And this is where they start sounding a lot more like proto-industrial. And it's funny because, you know, when I was young, I and I heard the term industrial music, I always just associate it with industrial sounds, like, right. you know...
1: Banging metal. Yeah, you're right, and, yeah. right,
2: right, exactly. Steam and, engines. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> which which you don't really hear on early Throbbing Gristles, for instance. Um, but on this, this album, um, Alien Soundtrack, it's the first first time chronologically that you hear something that's really sounds like maybe it's just a hammer on a, a garbage lid or something, yeah. you know, yeah. it's got that metal on metal percussive sound in parts. Um, and yeah, so they, they got, they got a lot of um, this. Well, a lot is probably an exaggeration, but um a fairly influential this in their next album fairly influential in um certain circles in europe and um <laughs> i just i just not so much the first album but their next the next two albums i just like when i listen to them i appreciate that they're breaking some new ground yes Um, and I just wonder, like, how many times over the years the following phrase has been uttered, which is, Hey, dude, let's get high as fuck and listen to Chrome. (laughs) This is the, these are those kind of albums, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Yeah, (laughs) totally.
2: (laughs) And, um, I, I think of these three albums, of the three Chrome albums, if you say, uh, Joseph, you need to sit down and listen to the full album um, all the way through in one sitting, I would actually probably pick their first album uh, just because it's, it's a little bit more palatable. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I have to like most of... That type of industrial music, I have to break it up into little chunks because it's just it's a it's too much for me. Yeah, gotcha. Um, but um, this one and particularly the the their nineteen seventy nine release um, really pretty pretty influential uh, as far as the the progression of. Uh, industrial music, and like I said before, I I uh, suspect that this was a band that uh, Cabaret Voltaire was um, acutely aware of. Nice. That's that's my guess. That's totally a guess. So, a couple of songs off of this album we're gonna check out tonight. Um, the first one is called. Pygmies in the dark. Oh, yeah.
1: Wow. That's, that's something, man. Uh, pygmies in the dark. So alien soundtracks, a great title for, for this album, by the way, (laughs) because this stuff sounds like it's from another world. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean,
2: I, I, I would be willing to bet that the vast majority of times that this album was listened to in one sitting, uh, the, the, people listening were um in some sort of an altered state.
1: I'm I'm considering it right now. Yeah. I mean <laughs> <laughs> I'm considering it right now. Uh you know I I th- you, you talked about how y- you might have to go back and and break it up, you know, you you can't take it all in one sitting. I I think this song and it's a long song too as you pointed out. It, it's it's like 6 minutes long. Um this would start to hurt my brain after a mm-hmm. while, mm-hmm. so um, I'd have to be, I'd have to be on something to be able to really not, not have some kind of seizure or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> you know it, it's funny when I when I listen to this and their next album. You know, I'll be going along. It's like, wow, this. This is this is some interesting. You know, they got a cool little groove here. There's some interesting mm-hmm. music. I really like to hear some vocals, and then vocals kick in, and I go, "Oh, wait, no, make, never make mind," <laughs> <laughs> because they are they are so clearly not vocalists. But yeah. um, uh, the next song off of this album, uh, "Slip It to the Android," which is just which is just uh, just a a great song title
1: yeah i like that um,
2: <laughs> this is them them figuring out how to manage their vocals um more successfully than most of the applications um, so
1: I dig this, Joseph. Yeah, I like I like this song a lot, actually, and uh, way better than Pygmies in the Dark. I, I don't <laughs> think that the Pygmies know what they're doing in the dark, um, but when you play "Slip It Slip It to the Android," uh, the first of all, okay, interesting use of backmasking. You know, <laughs> it seems like the bulk of the lyrics are are in reverse, but um, but it's good. I mean, I like the funky groove that they got going mm-hmm. on. Um, There's, I don't know, and this one too has a lot of like cartoony sounds. I don't know what what to call that exactly other than than cartoony because it it does sound, there's a lot of boings and Mm -hmm. zips and whoops going on, but it's, I don't know, it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. It's fun.
2: Well, you know, when we've talked about this type of music, sort of Mm -hmm. the industrial sort of um, deconstruction of the pop form type Yeah approach for me the the key element about whether i can hack it or not is is there some groove or is there some funk to it and i think there are there are moments like on this song where where um chrome does a pretty good job you know for, yeah for a couple of i presume you know middle class white guys they can, they can they they can get their groove on. They've, they've they they got a nice can. little funk thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that is the Chrome's second release called the Alien soundtrack, um, a pretty influential album, um, in the evolution of industrial music. Released the same year as the first Throbbing Gristles album. All right. So let's cleanse our palate. <laughs> a little bit yeah and talk about the shirts this is a band neither of us were familiar with right right
1: Right. absolutely
2: so this is um one of the um original wave of the cbgb bands Mm. so so they they were a new york band they came up through cbgbs uh you know it's funny they well Before we talk about, let's let's listen to uh, the first song off of their debut album. So their debut album released in 1978, simply titled "The Shirts." Uh, Their the most uh, played or the most streamed song on Spotify off of this album is um, a song called "Tell Me Your Plans."
1: This is cool it's uh honestly it's not at all what i expected i think listening to chrome kind of <laughs> you know kind of kind of threw me off threw me off a little bit but this is uh, i mean it's mellow it's there's a bit of a, a a you know a bit of a swing to it i gotta say it feels a little doo-woppy uh,
2: yeah so when you go to um wikipedia and look up the shirts you know they they um List the genres of music that they do, and for most bands, there's multiple genres. But for the shirts, it's just listed as punk. And hmm. man, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I I think that so this was released in in '78, uh-huh. and they they formed in '75, and um, by the time they recorded this album. They had been, you know, doing the circuit for a while and playing at CBGBs. And I think it might be sort of, you remember the tough darts when we talked about the tough darts? Because they they went through the CBGB scene as well. And they were considered, you know, one of the original CBGB punk bands. But by the time they actually recorded an album, uh, they weren't sounding particularly punk at all. Mm
0: -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. My guess is that. That that was there's the same, same sort of dynamic going on. I see. Uh, when you listen to the song, you go, "Okay, it fitting in the new wave, early new wave genre it sounds right," but it's sure. a bit of a stretch to to um, really refer to. Much, if any, of the songs off of this album as punk songs. Yeah. Um, I think that they, the closest they come, and so far, my favorite church song of what I've heard is the uh, next song that we're going to feature off of this album tonight, a song called "Teenage Crush."
1: This is my favorite. This is yeah. probably my—I don't know. I started to say this might be my favorite on the whole playlist, but it's up there. It's definitely one yeah. of them. And and you could hear that punk—that punk sound. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about uh, the the last song we heard by them, and how I said it has that doo woppy sound. If if I'm going to connect it to punk at all, it's that the early punk or, punk rockers kind of relied on their 1950s roots. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They kind of. Mm-hmm. Borrowed from that sound, yeah, and and that song totally has that. This song, this is the high energy, um, man. Yeah, it's good. I dig yeah. it.
2: Well, I got to tell you, um, actually, all of the albums that were were covering tonight. I, I don't think any of them. I've I've been living with them for the last couple of weeks. I think mm. any of them are are ones that I'm going to go back to, uh, moving forward. You know, I, there's there's nothing that like really captures my imagination um, or I've developed any sort of a personal inclination and affection for. Mm-hmm. But boy, I'll tell you, if this album w- was... If most of the songs off this album were more in this vein, it might be a completely different thing because I yeah. really do love the song. This yeah. this song is is on my my personal uh, you know playlist for 70s uh you know early punk stuff Uh, i i like this a lot now they, um shirts never really got did much here in the states uh were a little bit more successful in europe um got a little bit of attention in england i believe but um the netherlands they did great in the Netherlands. They, they had um, the first song we heard off of this album was a pretty big hit in the Netherlands. And then there was a, a pretty big hit off of their follow-up album as well. That uh, So something, something about their sound just did it in the Netherlands.
1: Nice. <laughs> well, congrats. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's a big thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, so that is the debut album from The Shirts, simply titled The Shirts. Um, now jumping to 1979, we oh, see yeah. the debut release from a band called The Yachts. Uh, this is an eponymously titled album. Um, they're an English band, um, very power pop. Uh, mm-hmm. I Off of this, their first album, there were really only two songs that resonated with me at all. Those are the two songs that we're featuring tonight. They are by far the kind of most new-waviest of the songs. So probably not the greatest representation of the the whole album. Um, Unremarkable songwriting um but you know the energy is pretty good and the sound is pretty good but the the songwriting for the most part is is it's kind of hard to get past this this bland (laughs) you know lyrics and and song structures and just the way that it's executed except for these two songs man mm. if the whole album sounded like these two songs i would love it i would love 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 it but these are yeah. these are by far the two standouts so let's um let's start it off with a song called yachting type call yourself my best friend Watch tell all these lies
0: if you're trying to me, here's some free advice. Can't you pick up someone, someone more a fool? Not a all impressed, I find your antics true She's gone, I don't believe you. She's gone, she should deceive you. She's gone.
1: I, I don't want to sound like I'm dogging on this, uh, on this song at all. Um, I like, you know, th- th- sadly, it's these two songs, <laughs> but I, I'm with you. When, when you said, you know, the, if the whole album sounded like this, it mm-hmm. would be awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I like this sound. Mm-hmm. The thing I don't care about, though, is is it, I think it's the song itself is it's the lyrics
2: yeah the the songwriting is i mean, I, I feel like these two songs they the execution of it and the sound that they get kind of elevates the really yeah um a mediocre songwriting um, yeah.
1: it's just it's just somebody whining about getting dubbed, you know,
2: yeah <laughs> and, and there's
1: nothing wrong with that I think we've all done that, sure there's
2: plenty of great. <laughs> Brilliant masterpieces, yeah. Um, you know, covering that ground, but you know, it's yeah. not inherently very interesting.
1: But but damn, that I mean, you know, as soon as as soon as the song starts, you're you're pulled in by that by that sound, by that new wave vibe. Mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. Okay, the second song off of this album that that really kind of gets me going a little bit is a song called In a Second.
0: You tell a girl words and only words have to be spoken She hears you and she clearly knows you're there but has a token A good excuse, a mastermind, a plan, exit departure She takes laughs, she cries and that that's all that you've been after the second she has turned around Letting her go See her no more Heartbroken Heartbroken Her life has many changes and they're mostly full
2: If you had just played this song for me Uh and I had no – and you asked me who is this band, obviously I would never have guessed the yachts because I didn't know who the yachts were. But I would have said with a fair degree of certainty that this was like an early Human League
1: song. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) That's Sort of
2: uncanny, his vocals. Yeah, I I
1: kind of – I mean it's definitely – It's different. I mean, I've listened to a lot of human league and and over and over again, but, but you're right. And, and that I think was one of my first thoughts. You Mm -hmm. know what else though? I, I gotta say, um, again, I'm not crazy about the lyrics, but the vocals, the way that, the way that he times it is, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is just really, it's amazing. Yeah. I gotta say it, the whole thing is intentional and it's timed perfectly and it, yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool
2: man, it is it's just a shame that the rest of the album um you know didn't doesn't come close to yeah. to matching these two these two songs is really a lot of it is just pretty straightforward uh, straight ahead, power pop
1: now f- now, do the yachts show up a whole lot more in the future?
2: Um, so actually all three of these bands that we are discussing tonight have releases in 1980. So we're going to be talking about all three of these bands next season. Uh, the shirts and the yachts, those are their last albums. Okay. Um, and you know that we'll be covering. I, I think. I think they might like get back together in the like late, late '90s and release yeah. another album or something. But like everybody
1: else. Yeah, did. yeah, that's right. <laughs> um,
2: Chrome continues on. I think with one or two more albums. But okay. Um, so so we have more to come from all three of these, which I'm I'm excited about. I mean, yeah. There's there's no doubt that that all three of these bands have. Um, a lot going for them and a lot of potential so so that is the yachts uh, debut album released in 1979 um, eponymously titled so let's move on to chrome's third album a song called half machine lip moves i can't wrap my brain around this title is this just a <laughs> is this just a, a Word, it's it's just a word salad, or do you think that? It It sounds
1: like it sounds like an exercise, (laughs) Um, (laughs) an exercise regimen. Okay.
2: (laughs) So this is generally considered um, their their best album. I I think um, a, a lot of a lot of people, you know, to me, it doesn't sound that much different than their. Their previous album it sounds it sounds a little bit more focused, a little bit more crystallized. They're even a little bit more industrial sounding uh-huh. so like as I said, they kind of started out more rocking or going more in that direction.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
2: you know they uh i I came across a phrase to describe this album which sounded just about perfect, which is um science fiction. Apocalyptic doom. So
1: <laughs> nice.
2: If that if that if that sounds like your cup of tea, then yeah. this is the album for you. Yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> always, always looking forward to the uh, science fiction apocalyptic doom.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is cited as quote the beginning of industrial rock that doesn't quite sound right to me because, well, I guess the rock part of industrial rock because obviously Throbbing Gristles released their first album the year before. Um, the British magazine um, The Wire included it in its list of 100 records that set the world on fire while no one was listening. Hmm. yeah. Okay. So, uh, one of the the album, uh, one of the songs off of this album is a song called Critical Mass. <laughs>
1: is definitely an appropriate title um and and you know what this song man i i mean i'm guessing that you appreciate it a little bit because of the groove going. yeah on yeah that, yeah that's i think that's some funky shit right there it's pretty cool
2: <laughs> yeah that's that's what makes it a little bit more palatable to yeah. me than than some of the other songs of this album
1: yeah yeah Pretty, pretty, it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty neat song. I mean, again, it's one of those things where you can't really, luckily this one's only two minutes long. So, you
2: know. Oh, yeah. And that, that is something that I want to, I want to mention that um, uh, of their three albums, each album, they get smarter and smarter about the song length.
0: Yeah. So um, <laughs> the,
2: most of the songs off of this album are around Three minutes, sometimes less than that, cool. which to me is the the smart way to go yeah. with music like this. <laughs> My second pick off of this album for tonight is a song called a "Creature Eternal." <laughs> <laughs>
0: And the zombies the zombies the zombies the zombies
1: mentioned to me that this one this one was actually the one that sounded most industrial to you mm-hmm. and and i gotta i gotta agree and and still with all of that like industrial sound all of that like discordant kind of you know a lot of people would call it noise but i mean it's an, it's intentional and mm-hmm. then they manage to fit a groove in and and have some kind of tune going um and then there's even a little bit of vocals th- that kind of show up Um and the vocals remind me of a band that I became very familiar with called Doofus. Are you familiar with Doofus?
2: Um, you have mentioned Doofus before. Now Uh they they are a more recent band than than what falls in our purview, right? Yeah, they are. They are.
1: They um and yeah, and um I met them through uh, Richard Temple actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, Seth Vergulja was the the lead. Pretty much the band for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then they kind of faded out and went away, and now they're back again playing music. But he had those kind of vocals where he he kind of tested the limits of what his voice could do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, raised it up and put it down and kind of, I don't know. you, you think his vocal cords were, were kind of being being kind of strummed like a guitar. Um, (laughs) But, but I get, I get, I get some of that out of there. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Seth actually listened to Chrome, Mm -hmm. you know?
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, well, uh, we, we have been told that um, this, this was a, one of the albums that set the world on fire. So maybe Seth was part of that world. Although
1: nobody was listening.
2: Um, maybe <laughs> Seth was
1: maybe Seth was <laughs> there we go,
2: yeah, so um, as I mentioned, Chrome has a an album coming out in nineteen eighty and although I haven't listened to it while I was uh preparing for this discussion i did um I did read that their next album you know is a little bit more accessible a little bit more in the like post punk new wave vein yeah so i feel like there are i mean uh this is a band that is is not just going through the motions the energy is high the talent is all uh, obviously there they can they They can get their funk on, so I feel like what I'm hearing off uh, this album, you know, if they got like twenty percent more accessible, I might like Mm -hmm. really fall in line with them.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah, for sure. So
2: I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, But as I mentioned before, this is this is often cited as their um, most acclaimed album. That's the third release by Chrome called Half. Machine lip moves. So we got one more album to discuss tonight. That is the um, second release by The Shirts called Street Light Shines, released in 1979. Um, Once again, had a a pretty big hit in um, the Netherlands with the first song that we're going to feature tonight called laugh and walk away
1: I really dig this. I mm. like this a lot. And I, I mm. think I told you uh, out of the songs that you sent me on the playlist, uh, this this was my favorite out of out of the shirts. I, I I dig the vocals. I dig the energy behind it. Um, and I don't know. It's just it's really cool. There's there's some sass that I like. You know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's it's a great tune.
2: Yeah, I mean. I was sort of grousing about their first album as far as not having much that you would consider punk or new wave on it. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, there's hardly anything off of this album that feels like that at all. Yeah. No, Um, this
1: is, this is called totally cool. This is is really good punk.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I you know, it particularly this song actually sounds a little bit ahead of its time. I would mm, this sounds like a lot of a lot of music that I was listening to like in the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like the primitives and and stuff like that. You know, one thing I will mention, um so this album is a lot slicker. Um mm. it is it, technically they they're doing trickier things like with their vocals and oh yeah and and all of that and the lyrics are a lot better i forgot to mention off the first album the the lyrics were in some cases really awful (laughs) i mean i so so there was one one line in particular off of their first album um and i'm this is not a direct quote, but you get the idea. Uh, it was something like, um, your face is a magazine, and I'm canceling
1: my subscription. <laughs> I love that. What are you talking about? <laughs> <My> God. <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy uh.
2: to say that, um, <laughs> that, I mean, that... I I guess there is, it's conceivable that that might be like a great, like really aggressive snotty punk song or something, but, but that wasn't what they were doing. No, Um, you gotta, you gotta put the
1: attitude behind it. (laughs) Uh, You know, you you really have to put the attitude to make that work. You have to really throw the attitude.
2: So so I would say on, uh, just about every level, this is a much more sophisticated, um, uh, cleaner, slicker album. Um,
1: for all its, for, I think for all its poppiness uh there's definitely you know it definitely has that sass like i said yeah
2: well you know um i feel pretty confident that um if if you hadn't heard this album of theirs and i said you know there's a shirts album or there there's an album that sounds like um a new wave version of the Mamas and Papas. I think you would probably <laughs> clearly identify this album. That, that really—that
1: might be. Yeah,
2: I—I I feel like you know I've been as I've been listening to this album in the last couple of weeks. You know, I—I—I I, I finally came across. Oh, how how would I describe this album? I would describe it as like the Mamas and Papas go new wave. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I think you nailed it. <laughs>
2: And, um, you know, on this album, it really sounds like they were listening uh, i mean it it makes me think more of like Manhattan transfer than like anything punk or post punk um uh, you know yeah. they they've got a like well, the second song off of this album I'm gonna feature um is you know this is this is a very eclectic album um and so they they do a lot of you know which once again makes me think of like something like the manhattan transfer um so the song milton at the savoy uh just kind of kind of illustrates that fact this is a this is a very like jazz swingy vocal type song
1: all right. Well, I, I want to say something before we go into it, mm, mm-hmm. and that is this, I realize now that I haven't heard this song at all, so I'm going to go into this song brand new right now Okay. Give you, my, give you my fresh response on it, okay?
2: Okay, because I, I know you like that sort of thing. Yeah. That's why I put this song on.
1: I'm looking forward to it.
0: Disco sound fills the Savoy Club. Milton sees, but he's only a shadow. Man of age gets on stage. The dancers they gather before him. Times they have changed, but to Milton they stay just the same as they were in the '30s. Champagne pops, Milton pops. The crowd has no choice but to follow.
1: i am totally surprised by by what i just heard it it doesn't sound like the the band that we heard the last song Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's totally different totally different i i still like it i like the swing and groove to it i like the you know it's got this like 70s kind of swing and pop sound um at the same time it has this like just this kind of jazzy you know finger snap and kind of um i don't know almost like a like a like something from the beat era, but, mm. um, it's cool. It's cool. It's just, it surprises me because it just doesn't sound like the shirts that we just heard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, y- you know, um, uh, you and I, I think we were housemates and both of us were not like heavily into, so this was the late nineties, um, right. that, uh, but we were fans of the sort of like new swing movement that was happening mm-hmm. at, the, at that at that And, this has that feel to it yeah. for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. does. So, it does. um a really eclectic album um uh very very slick. Maybe a little too slick for my taste. Uh-huh. But um you know, being I would, you know, listening to it I would not have guessed that it was released in 1979.
1: I yeah, I agree so, with that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Wow.
2: Okay. Any last thoughts about, about this, this album? This is the, the uh, second release by the shirts called street light shine.
1: Not necessarily about this album, although I will say that I'm curious to, to hear something from theirs later. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. at any rate, Yeah
2: cool well we just kind of blazed through that it was our last chance to catch up on some more notable releases from the from the 1970s and i'm ready for the for the turn of the decade
1: yeah me too for sure Uh,
2: 1980 bring it on
1: yeah i gotta say maybe we got through this so quick because i wasn't prepared and didn't do a whole lot of talking (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I enjoyed it i have I've had a lot of fun listening to the music and chatting with you again, and yeah. I am looking forward to nineteen eighty. I cannot wait,
2: yeah, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna get back into the swing of things uh starting the second half of next month. Um, yeah uh, um are you have you started working on your predictions?
1: Nope. nope, yeah. Uh, so you got to
2: get on that. I, I, I sent do. you the yeah. list of all of the it's, albums that we're covering. Uh,
1: yeah, until I until I get these two writing projects finished, yeah. I I'm I really had to sneak away to do this tonight. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so, but it'll it'll get done. I'll get it done quickly. And uh, yeah, I've I have looked at the list a few times. Yeah. And um, you know, I've got some ideas.
2: Yeah, a lot of um a lot of debut albums from bands that are just uh, going to be heavily influential in the new wave movement going into the 80s. Um, a lot of those bands, I, you know, I, I don't think had really auspicious starts. Right. Um, so it'll be interesting to to go back. Like, for instance, I don't believe I've ever heard uh the first release by Echo and the Bunnyman.
1: Oh yeah. Right? right, right. Well you know Echo's gonna be Echo and the Bunnyman's gonna be huge. And you're right, is how does their first album fare as yeah. far as all the other albums in nineteen yeah. eighty? Well, okay. It's gonna be a big year. Yeah. Seventeen seventeen what seventeen weeks uh 17 months. 17 months. Sorry.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we are, we are every two or three months, we'll take uh, a month off, you know, we'll mm-hmm. do a bonus episode of something uh, for, for during those months. But, you know, we are pacing ourselves for sure. We, we almost didn't make it through season two. So we've learned our lesson about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a long stretch we're in so... it for the long haul.
1: People ask me all the time, what's your podcast about? And I always say it's music, punk, post-punk, and new wave from 1976 to 1986. From now on, it's going to be music, punk, post-punk, and new wave from 1980. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For the next 17 months. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So anything else you want to cover before we sign off?
1: Uh, I don't think so. Other than, you know, check us out. If you haven't heard all the uh, previous episodes, go back and listen to them. Yeah. Um, You know,
2: Hey, we got a, um, a handful of new reviews on Apple podcasts and it's, it's fantastic. Thank you so much for those of you who went and and put in the effort, Um, got a couple of emails, complaints um, saying, Hey, I'm trying to post a, a review and it's uh, not yeah. working i think i think it there's a lag time oh um so i think once you post it, it doesn't show up for like a week or something yeah but i i've, heard that. Sure I've heard that i've heard yeah. that from
1: people in person even yeah so. yeah yeah um, but it does show up
2: so so we 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 really appreciate that um rob one thing i wanted to just mention to you it's kind of uh-huh. an update um so when we were talking about the Yellow Magic Orchestra, uh-huh. Um we featured uh, one of the songs that we featured was Behind the Mask. You okay. you had mentioned that um Michael Jackson did a version of it for Thriller, but it didn't get released on that. Right. Um right. and after that conversation I actually found that version. It was it was released after michael jackson's death
1: oh interesting
2: so we went out on his version um but i also went and did some more research on it and it's kind of an interesting story because michael jackson uh recorded a version of behind the mask for thriller and he added vocals and added a whole vocal melody and new lyrics and all of that and um it didn't in my research it didn't in I didn't come across it where it explicitly said that the reason why it wasn't released on the album was because of this but i imagine it was because of um not just them giving him permission to, um, you know, do a version of their song, but because he was actually adding new content, there was, Michael Jackson probably wanted
0: Uh, to be
2: cited as a co-writer, right? Um, So my guess is that's why they said no. But the weird thing is, so this song began floating around and was, there were several versions recorded and released by other artists. And they were all the version that Michael Jackson did. So it had the Michael Jackson um, lyrics and the Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. which is, I, I'm not sure like how that was managed. Eric Clapton released a, <laughs> a version of that. And actually, Human League uh, released a version as well that yellow Ma- magic orchestra actually performed on uh so that's the that's kind of a little bit more of the story behind uh buying the mask
1: nice yeah <laughs> thanks thanks for that update <laughs> sure
2: well finally finally we're getting an episode out
1: yeah yeah it's it's again i'm looking looking forward to 1980 and there's going to be some some fun things happening. We're gonna bring some friends in to help us out. It'll be cool.
2: For sure. Um Yeah, we got a we got a nice surprise. So we're we're tweaking things a little bit um this season. I don't want to give away the surprise. We're changing the format a little bit. Um, but uh next episode we will reveal what that is. We're both excited about this. Do you know you have any idea what I'm referring to?
1: <laughs> uh oh yeah, totally. Oh good. <laughs> totally.
2: We, we won't give it away uh yeah, yet, no, no, no. but but I Mum's the word. Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised that we went this far without doing something like this. So so that's gonna be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. All right.
2: Okay, everybody, we will talk to you um the second half of next month. Rob, I wish you the best of luck on your writing deadlines. Thank um, you. And I'm sorry to contribute to um, <laughs> making it an even more tighter deadline. By, no, no, by
1: no. The pleasure is mine. Monopolizing
2: right. you for the last couple of hours. So, so good luck right. on that.
1: All right. All right, everybody. We'll see you. Bye. All